Over the last several weeks, we have been traveling with Jesus through the Gospel of Luke as he is slowly making his way from Galilee to Jerusalem. And I have noticed that in almost every story in this particular Gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or is coming from a meal. He must have truly been a respected teacher because he is always being invited somewhere. The story we are about to read in just a few minutes is one about a seemingly normal meal, but really it's a sitcom TV show waiting to happen. As usual, I would like to invite you to pay attention to not only what your mind is hearing, but I want you to pay attention to what is happening within your body as well as we read these scriptures. And after I finish reading, I would love to hear a word or phrase that stood out to you, the word or phrase that captures your attention the best, and maybe what moment you felt the most tension. And if you're joining us online, as usual, you are most welcome to participate by putting your thoughts in the comment section, and Journey will be there reading them and inviting you to this space as well. So get ready, get comfortable, close your eyes if that's how you best hear these words, um, and listen to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of the leader of the Pharisees, to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. Just then, in front of him, there was a man who had edema. And Jesus asked the experts in the law and Pharisees, is it lawful to cure people on the Sabbath or not? But they were silent. So Jesus took him and healed him and sent him away. Then he said to them, If one of you has a child or an ox that has fallen into a well, will you not immediately pull it up and out on a Sabbath day? And they could not reply to this. When he noticed how the guests chose places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet... Do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then you may come, or, and then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers and sisters or relatives or rich neighbors in case they might invite you in return. 
and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. My friends, these are all the words of God given to us as the children of God, and we all say, thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be found pleasing in your sight this evening. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, friends, so what word or phrase stuck out to you the most? Where did you feel the tension? Uh-huh. If you had a helpless child or animal in need, wouldn't you help? Yes. Any others? Roger. Yes, I can. Yes. All right. And we say, come on. Yes. Roger shared with us that uh, the phrase, the cripple, stuck out to him because he's here. And praise God that you are here. Thank you, Roger. Taking the lowest seat. Amen. It's amazing what the Spirit ignites within a whole scripture. All of us hear different things, and yet we have a fuller picture of what this scripture might be saying to us this evening. Thanks be to God for the Spirit. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Is there one? Yeah, there's one. Thank you. Who was it? Marion. Humble. Ah, there's more evidence of the spirit. Thank you for participating. Wow. So most of you know that I have been hanging out at the Flux House since I arrived here in Gainesville. A little bit longer than I had anticipating, but that's okay. It's a beautiful space, and one of the many things I've come to appreciate about that space is that there's no Netflix, right? Right? What? I uh, have forgotten what it's like to watch live TV, where you are sitting through commercials and it's, and it's all good, and it brings me back to my roots. And I say that, um, <laughs> I say that because in the mornings, uh, before my household wakes up, and uh, by household, I mean my three-year-old and my almost five-month-old, before they wake up, there's just a hint of peace. And so I wake up really early, like five o'clock early, and I wander in to the living room with my coffee and turn on the TV to Hallmark where there are reruns of one of my 
favorite sitcoms, Reba. How many of you all have seen Reba? We all love um, Reba. And for those of you who do not know what Reba is, it's a um, TV show about this eccentric blended family who's trying to navigate life together through a season of divorce and co-parenting and raising kids together. And it stars one of my favorite all-time female country singers, Reba McIntyre. And so the show has always had my heart. I discovered it when I was 10. And uh, it stays with me. So I've rediscovered the joy of Reba. And there was a scene in one of the episodes that I was watching recently where Reba is preparing this big Thanksgiving meal. She has the turkey and the stuffing and the sweet potatoes, mashed potatoes, the whole spread beautifully laid out on the table. And she was looking forward and had some high hopes about this Thanksgiving meal that her entire blended family would come together, that they would sit and have a pleasant meal. Right, right. No, no, uh, because at this meal was her ex-husband and his new wife, their new child, and her three children, and a couple of significant others all gathered together in one space and uh, to this, sitting to this beautiful meal. But tensions seemed to already be a bit high from the drama that had taken place just minutes earlier in the TV show. And all is calm for about 0.2 seconds until Barbara Jean, her ex-husband's new wife, says something just slightly cheeky, and then it all breaks loose. So I was reading this scripture for us today from Luke. Uh, For this evening, I felt like I was watching a similar scene unfold in the scriptures. Jesus has been invited to the leader of the Pharisees' house for dinner. Right from the beginning, we are told that this was a test of sorts. The Pharisees wanted to see how Jesus would behave during dinner, so they kept a watch on him. They wanted to see if Jesus would fit into their customs and their practices, because surely if he were a true teacher— the Son of God, he would be able to navigate these waters with ease. You see, for the ancient world, eating together was a central part of religious and social life. Dinner parties were a big deal. It was where friends gathered, business took place, worship happened around a dinner table. And your place within that society was determined and evaluated by what took place at that dinner party. So yes, if Jesus was truly worth anything, if Jesus was who he said he was, he would have been able to fit right in. Right? But we know Jesus. We um, knew from the moment that this whole scheme was put into motion that Jesus would take take that scene and flip it upright, flip it upside down. And we knew that Jesus was going to do something. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus draws attention 
to a man with edema, someone who was visibly ill. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us if Jesus brings this man to the dinner party, but wouldn't it be fun to imagine that that were the case, that Jesus brought this man who was ill to the leader of the Pharisee's house? At a normal dinner party, this man would not have been allowed to be present. He wasn't even allowed into the temple, sometimes even into the city limits, let alone the leader of the Pharisees' home. Could you imagine the look on the faces of those guests who were present? Could you imagine the disgust that might have been written all over their faces or uh, that they might have felt at the mere presence of this man who was ill? Then Jesus renders them all speechless by healing him and bringing the situation closer to their own lives, asking them about the law if it were one of their own children or animals. Can you feel that tension that's brewing? The awkward silence that must have been plaguing that room. Guests shifting their eyes from Jesus to the Pharisees and back to Jesus. Maybe the Pharisee even seething with quiet frustration. You would think that Jesus would have stopped there, knowing that he was already rocking a very precarious boat. But does he? Of course not. Not our Jesus. For the Pharisees and the other guests at the party, there were two important elements to make the night a memorable one. The first is the guest list. Who is invited to the party? The second is hospitality. How those guests felt during the party. In ancient Jewish tradition and culture, to boost your own reputation in society, it was advantageous to invite guests who were the same position or higher than you in the community and either allow them to take the honored place at the table or to seat them in the appropriate place yourself. Therefore, hospitality was a key component to any and every social interaction. Your character, your reputation as an individual and as a community rested on the experience of your guests. Was the food good? Were they satisfied? Did they feel welcomed, honored by the seating arrangement, which indeed was a visible and tangible way to elevate someone important. So as the highfalutin guests funneled into the dining room and began taking their seats, Jesus recognized the tradition. He recognized its roots in the Jewish law, but he did not recognize the application playing out before his eyes. It was that game of telephone that I mentioned last week all over again where common practice did not match the original intent. So he pressed pause on that scene and said, in Marissa's own words, mind you, whoa, 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 something is missing. Something is not right here. 
We need a different kind of dinner party. So my question for us this evening is, what kind of dinner party would Jesus endorse? For Jesus, what are the elements that make up a good party in the kingdom of God? Like with all of Jesus' critiques on the practice of spirituality, I wonder if he is inviting us to rediscover the spirit of the original law. It's almost like a pistachio nut, which I was eating earlier today, where you have to crack open that outer casing of modern practice to get to the nut of the intention, to taste the goodness and the fruitfulness that is hidden beneath the outer shell. So Jesus cracks open that nut and invites us to revisit the same elements that the Pharisees would have agreed make up a good party. The guest list and how those guests feel welcomed. It's so easy to look at the scene in Scripture and point fingers at the Pharisee and to the guests at the party. But sometimes I think that we are more like them than we immediately think. As humans, we gravitate toward people who look like us, who talk like us, who think like us, who are from the same backgrounds. We're more comfortable with our inner circle of friends and family. They're the people that we trust the people who will elevate us in moments where we are brought low. These are the people we want to be surrounded with, to celebrate alongside of, the people we would want to eat dinner with. But you know who is not easy to spend time with all of the time? People who are different from us, who look differently, who talk differently, who think differently, maybe who vote differently, people who might be chronically ill, who cannot find the strength or the stamina to get up out of bed or off the couch each day, the people who may not have access to the same resources, the people who need to stand out in the median of almost every intersection here in this town to ask for money because they are unable to feed themselves or their families. Yet, these are the very people who Christ was calling this dinner party to be in community with. These are the very people who Christ is calling us to be in community with. But that very calling begs the question, would our new guests feel welcomed at our table? Jesus took one look at the way the guests in our scripture claimed seats for themselves, seats of honor, and assumed their own social status and knew that there would be no space for anyone else, no space for someone who would not normally be invited 
to the table, let alone the house of that prominent member of society? What does hospitality look like for new guests to this a different kind of dinner party? What might hospitality look like for us? And where do we start? That's cool. Uh, my friend Randy Evans was a classmate of mine while I was going through licensed local pastor school uh, with the North Carolina Conference the two years after Divinity School as I was preparing to serve my first church at St. Luke United Methodist Church in Sanford, where I just came from. Randy was assigned to a two-point charge in the Wilmington area of North Carolina. One of the churches was a new faith community that he had started just about five years earlier. But was, it wasn't a church like we think of church, not a church that we are used to. It is called the Feast Gathering. It's a community where they strive to create safe and sacred spaces for friends in the Wilmington area who are experiencing homelessness and poverty. Their version of church took place outside in a central location in Wilmington where many of the homeless population would wander on a hot summer day for shade and a cooler place to sit and rest. So Randy um, and a couple of his friends got together and thought that they would offer them a home-cooked meal, a short devotion, and communion. At the beginning of March of this year, March of 2022, the program staff at my former church uh, took a trip out to Wilmington to spend some time learning from Randy and experiencing this sacred space for ourselves. And in speaking with Randy about this ministry and how this ministry began, the challenges he faced, he said this, when I started, I saw a need that I could fill, but really, my new friends knew exactly what they needed, exactly what safe and sacred space would look like for them. The spirit was already at work, but I had to cultivate the skill of humility to take a step back and to let God do what God was already doing. Did you catch it? He said, I had to cultivate a skill of humility to let God do what God was already doing. Maybe that's where hospitality starts. Hospitality to a new group of people. Maybe it starts with cultivating the skill of humility. The skill of letting go of what we think we know. Letting go of our own assumptions about who we are and what the kingdom of God should look like. To make space for a different perspective a different set of experiences. I think this is what Jesus was saying when he told the guests in our scripture passage, passage, all who exalt themselves will be humbled, 
and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know, creating sacred space that is welcoming to all, not just a few, it isn't easy. It requires that special kind of humility to welcome and elevate and learn from the experiences of those who would not normally be offered a seat at a table, any table, let alone step through our front door. Yet that is what the kingdom of God looks like. It is this beautiful vision of diversity and equity, a vast array of experiences that paint a picture of God's grace at work in and through the entire body of Christ. What beautiful picture is the Holy Spirit calling us to paint in this sacred space? as we begin the work of cultivating that special humility, a Christ-like humility. Who is missing at our table here? Who can we welcome into our ever-growing dinner party? We're on our way, and I'm excited to see the journey. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.